0: To all things Texas, both on and off the field, here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome welcome to Utopia.
1: Well, okay, so let's start there. Because, yeah, you're right, there's not much to talk about with C.J. Stroud other than the fact that seeing footage of him in practice yesterday made me feel very warm and fuzzy. I like seeing C.J. back out there soft-tossing with his teammates. But it looks almost assuredly like he's going to play, unless there's some sort of setback. We saw Michael Pittman Jr. last week who had been cleared to play for the Colts. He had a setback. So we can't just cash our chips here yet and say it's uh, it, it's going to be C.J. for sure on Sunday. But it's certainly pointing in that direction. Will Levis was a full participant at practice yesterday for the Titans, John. But you think Ryan Tannehill may start this game?
2: That's what people up there are telling me. Uh, and the thing, the thing about uh, Stroud is he's D'Amico said he's in the fourth level of the protocol, which means you're out there going through limited participation, throwing the ball around and the non-contact. Well, nobody has contact practice especially at this time of year. And then the last one is you go through a full practice, which would be today, non-contact. Well, they don't have non-contact. They don't even do long practices at this time of the year. It's all mental. It's all walkthroughs and making sure you've got your assignments and the busted assignments you had versus Cleveland, you don't repeat them. So it's fairly easy. But like you said, what Pittman had last week after he'd been cleared and everybody's seen enough play, he started getting dizzy. And before – Stroud can be cleared. The team doctor and independent neurologist from the NFL has declared him. And they that's what happened with Pittman. And then all of a sudden he had that setback you talked about. So it's not guaranteed. You know, they're hoping he's going to play. They're planning on him to play. But we're not going to know until he gets out there and takes his first nap.
1: No, yeah, absolutely not. So, um, so fingers crossed that we get the version of C.J. Stroud that made him such a prohibitive favorite for – Offensive Rookie of the Year, um, John. As far as other injuries go, it looks like Blake Cashman is back practicing. That's good news for the linebacking core in this game. Um, and we're going to get into this game more specifically in the six pack here in just a little bit. This is going to be a catch-all episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Since we didn't do a Tuesday episode, we're going to get some news and notes from John. We're going to get a mailbag from you guys. We're going to get for realer and obviously, we'll preview the game. Um, between the Titans and the Texans, not necessarily in the order I just laid it out either. By the way, <laughs> I was just kind of spitballing. Um, so, um, so you're going to get the the full the the full crux of everything here, Texans related. Um, but Blake Cashman back, John. I'm really concerned about these two defensive ends though, Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard. And I know Will missed the first Titans game. Going to be awfully tough to see them replicating what they did as a front four with seven sacks and 12 TFLs if both of their defensive ends are out for this game.
2: Yeah, no kidding. They manhandled Will Levis. is the most physical game I've ever seen the Texans play. Seven sacks, 12 tackles for loss. They knocked down Levis 11 times, and they did it without Anderson. Derek Barnett played great. And in the last game, he was one of the few players I thought that played well. So, to bringing him in, a former number one pick of the Eagles, and him fitting in there, Matt Burke's done a tremendous job coaching him and uh, preparing him as he has all those players. But if they're missing both of them, and it's a bad time for Jonathan Grenard to get hurt when he's already put on that stretch drive and up his salary demands in the offseason, can't have the problems happen to him the first three get hurt and miss multiple games, but... Um, I think that we're pretty sure that Derrick Henry will rush for more than nine yards and <laughs> Hopkins will have more than two catches.
1: Yeah, I would say that i take the over on both of those as well. John, as far as other injuries go um, for the Texans, there's plenty that we could get into here, but I'm just trying to stick to the main ones. Um, Jimmy Ward is done for the season. Jimmy Ward had a, a a really a third kind of just soft tissue type injury. This time it was a quad that he suffered in the loss to the Cleveland Browns early in that game. Um, And an old face is coming back to replace him. we'll get into Jimmy Ward in one of the future segments here that we've got. Um, But as far as the return of Kareem Jackson, kind of nice, John. Uh, Forget about the fact that Kareem's a familiar face who still lives in Houston in the offseason. But the fact that a player at Kareem's level, not a pro Bowl or anything like that, but a very, very competent pro... Is available at this stage of the season to replace Jimmy Ward is is pretty fortuitous, I would say, for the Texans, wouldn't you?
2: The reason it happened, he's thirty five years old. He's been suspended. The league's watching him like crazy, but he doesn't play special teams. And and and, uh, there were certain things that they needed him to do that thirty five year old safeties don't do. So they just cut him. And uh, Texans, they need he'll play in this game. You know, it's not a whole lot. They have to teach him about the game plan. Adrian Amos came in off the street, and he's played in two games. So you got two guys who are 30 and 35 or 31 and 35 at safety, and Ward's on the upside of 32. And so they've got to contribute something because the safety's not played well. Led by Jalen Petrie got benched last week. And when you get benched, when your safeties are playing as bad as they are and in in total fairness the corners got beat too by Joe Flacco that was a terrible game all around for the defensive backs and it started up front of course but they've got to bounce back and they've got to get pressure you don't want Adrian Amos and Kareem Jackson and DeAndre Houston Carson on the back end to get burned deep
1: yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, Jalen Petrie to me is the story out of all of what you just said. He got benched in a game that Jimmy Ward had left with an injury. Like that's how bad it was. They, you know, they just, I think it's, it probably, it's probably a cumulative thing with Jalen for the whole season. It wasn't just, Hey, he didn't go help Deandre or D'Angelo Ross on that deep shot to Amari Cooper. Jalen's had a rough year all year long, other than a few Good games. He was really good against the Titans, I thought, in week 15. I thought things were looking up for him. And then it's the exact opposite. He gets benched um, for a guy who plays 100% of the snaps routinely for the Texans. Like, that's not an exaggeration. He never leaves the field. And uh, D'Amico's like, oh, we just got into a little bit of a rotation. Like, okay. Uh,
2: (laughs) D'Amico Ryan's and Matt Burke are going to have to take a long, close look at the way they're asking Jalen Petrie to play in their system. And what he needs to be is around the line of scrimmage where he can blitz, where he can hit people, play the run, play people in the middle of the field. He's not a guy to go cover people on deep plays. That's not what he excelled at at Baylor. they got to take a long look at what they're asking him to do.
1: All right, that's where we're at with the Texans right now. Obviously a practice today. We're recording this on a Thursday, so we got a practice today, a practice tomorrow. Um, But fingers crossed that C.J. Stroud will be playing. This Sunday. All right, John, speaking of CJ Stroud, you got some news and notes for us here today?
2: I do. Uh, CJ averages 279.3 yards a game. That is second to Tua Tunga Valoa's 280.9. Now, if he had played these last two games and he had hit his average in those two games, he would have 4,189 yards. That would be second to Tua Tunga Valoa's 4,214 which means he would have been, let's see, 14, 25 yards from being the first rookie since Davey O'Brien in 1939 to lead the NFL in yards. not going to happen now, of course, but that just shows you how great he was. And when he went out, they were second to the 49ers in plays of 25 or more yards. Now they're second to the 49ers with 39 pass plays of 25 or more yards. The 49ers have 44. And um, Case Keenum had one on that plate at Devin Singletary in overtime at Tennessee. So they're still second in the pass plays of 25 or more. Wow. And they've got three more than Dallas. Now, Dak Prescott's been healthy all season. He's got C.D. Lamb. They have 36-3 behind the Texans. Now, the Texans have had 10 100-yard receiving games. Okay. That sounds okay. That sounds fine to me. Good. But that's tied for the most in the NFL with Miami, who has Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And C.J. Stroud needs in the one of these last two games, Sean, at least 300 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. to become the first rookie to achieve that in NFL history. Right now, he's tied with five games of at least 300 yards and two touchdowns with Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert, and I've got one more. In his 13 games, C.J. has 61 completions of at least 20 yards. Those earlier stats were 25, The 61 of at least 20. And uh, he is second in the NFL, despite missing two games, to Brock Purdy, who has 70. And I'm guessing a lot of Purdy's were yak. Yeah, catching those guys, and they they did all the running, but it just shows how amazing that he is. And one throwaway doesn't have anything to do with the Texans' side of the ball, but it will be for Sunday. DeAndre Hopkins, who had two catches for 21 yards in the first game, he needs 61 yards to reach 1,000. That'd be the seventh time in his career, first time since 2020. And of course he had five with the Texans second most in team history and Andre Johnson, who is a finalist for the pro football hall of fame for the third year in a row. And if he get a better presenter, he might actually get in.
1: Yeah, I know. We got to work on that presenter thing. For those that are new to the podcast, John presents Andre each year, and I'm sure does an amazing job, but it's just hard. There's a log jam at wide receiver right now and it's tough to get a guy in. All right, John, you just dropped a lot of numbers there. And I just wanted to react to a couple of them. One, there's a chance that the Dolphins are all st- locked up with whatever it is their playoff fate is by week 18. So they could rest to a Tunga in week 18 or only playing for a half or something like that. So maybe that opens the door for CJ to possibly lead the league. You said he'd lead the league in passing yards if he were to get uh, – Well, let's if he
2: had if he had played these last two and hit his oh, average of 279. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay, then he would well, then be he at no 4,189 and two as – Four thousand two hundred.
1: I, I, I got you. So he's got no shot. Nah, I got he's
2: you. Got no shot.
1: Okay. Um. The other thing I was very surprised to hear that the Texans are still ranked up that highly with explosive plays, considering their offense has felt like anything but being explosive, and that includes a game with CJ against the New York Jets. Like it. The, and I'll tell you, John. My well, I'm just making sure I'm not hijacking a future segment here. No, I'm not. Um. How concerned are you that the Texans? Uh, have generated very, very little offense since Tank Dell went out early in the Denver game. And I know well, there's a couple of Case Keenum games in there, but there's some CJ games in there, too. So how big a concern? CJ, had
2: his, was, he was as bad against the Jets, which was a driving rainstorm as he was at Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it was after that Carolina loss on the last play that he said he wanted to start having explosive plays. And to his credit, Bobby Slowick made sure he changed the offense now he's got nico collins back he's got noah brown he's got dalton schultz so i think he's still going to be good i think he's going to be prolific but the key is can they protect him that's what they've not been able to do he has been sacked nine, ten 13 times in his last three games nine in his last two games and that was a problem early in the season and then they went eight games, giving up only 11 sacks. So whatever they're doing, I don't know if it's the offensive line just getting physically defeated or if uh, it has something to do with things they've discovered with Stroud. But the Titans, they got a good pass rush. They're one of the even without Jeffrey Simmons, They've been terrific at getting the passer. And Danico Autry just worked over Juice Scruggs two weeks ago for two yeah. sacks. They got to do something for, about Autry, a tackle, who I think has 12 and a half sacks. And then you got Harold Landry with nine and a half on the outside. So they have to protect Stroud better. And when I asked D'Amico Ryans on Wednesday, what is he going to be looking for when Stroud gets on the field for the first time? Because practice is one thing when you're coming off a concussion. The first thing he said, protecting him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was a good question. I, I was thinking the same thing, John, like protecting him obviously is what you're looking for, but it sounded like what you were driving at is just behaviorally with CJ. Like, does he look out of sorts? Does he, you know, is is he, is he making his reads all that? Those are the things I'm very curious to see, not only because he was concussed, but he's, he hasn't really done much in in a few weeks, you know, he hasn't practiced. So is there going to be some rust? I'd rather have a rusty CJ Stroud out there than a fully engaged, healthy Case Keenum or Davis Mills. But This could be a game where, you know, taking the, if you're a betting person, maybe taking the Titans in the first quarter of this game, you know, whatever the spread is, might be the right thing. The Texans are a slow starting team, even with a healthy. Yes, they are.
2: They are terrible in the first quarter.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that may be something to look at if you can, uh, if you're a Texan fan who can disengage from the emotional part of the game and be hardcore cutthroat business, betting the Titans in the first quarter might be the proper call.